0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Mother with a Loud Mind podcast. If this is your first time joining, thank you so much for being here. I highly encourage you to go back to episode zero, I Almost Didn't Do This, where you can get a little insight into what future episodes will be about and get to know me a little better. If you are a returning listener, you are seriously the coolest and I appreciate you endlessly please feel free to give this podcast a review and rating at the end of the episode. It really helps us grow and reach a larger audience. I'm your host, Morgan Claunce. Let's get into today's episode. Today's episode includes discussions of miscarriage, infant loss, and stillbirth. Please take care while listening. One more thing before we get started... Today's episode was recorded via Zoom, so the audio quality is not the best. I do apologize and am actively looking for a better solution. So if you have any recommendations, please feel free to let me know. Enjoy. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Um, October, as you probably are aware, is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Um, So I wanted to bring on a mom this week that has experienced these things. Um, I personally have not. So I wanted to hear from someone that has experienced these things firsthand. Um, She's gonna share her story and um, some things that kind of helped her get through it and um, what the grieving process was like and those kind of things. So Bailey, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, If you just want to introduce yourself and then you can feel free to share your story with us. Hi,
1: I'm Bailey. I am a mom of two. I like to consider myself a mom of angel wings and glitter because I have a little girl and then I have a sweet little angel boy. Um, and I own a local dance studio in New Bern. And also I'm in the process of starting a wedding kind of help business. So it's like a help hotline. You just send me an email and I'll help you out if I can. Um, just because my husband said that I needed to find more hobbies. Um, so, I guess I'm going to start this out just by telling you a little bit about my story with Mac. Um, October is Pregnancy and Inf- Infant Loss Awareness Month, in which Morgan just said. Um, so, I really was naive to the entire thought process. I knew what a miscarriage was. I had my mom had two miscarriages before having me. Um, I have an aunt who's had several miscarriages, she lost her first baby. Um, so it was kind of, I knew about it, but it was one of those things that, oh, it'll never happen to me. Um, my husband and I were dating and I ended up getting pregnant, um, about two years after we got together and we were super excited, but nervous. It was one of those things that it wasn't the right time, but whenever will it be the right time? Um, but we were excited and we both knew that we wanted to be together and that we wanted to be parents together. And so... It's okay, things happen. So we were super excited. Um, With Mac, we did everything. Like we did pregnancy announcements. We did a huge gender reveal, which were fireworks at our house. Um, We did early ultrasounds with like the 40 ultrasound places to find out his gender. Our big thing that we wanted to do was we wanted to start planning early so that we could have everything that we needed. But my husband is all boys his dad is all boys. So we figured that he was going to be a boy. Um, when we went in for our 40 ultrasounds, we went, we stayed for three hours. We left, came back for another hour and they could not see. And there was not enough fluid for them to see. Like I drank and drank and drank until I was swimming and there wasn't enough fluid. And she was like, you're going to have to leave and come back another day. So I left, we came back a week later, did the same thing and she was like I'm 98% sure certain it's a boy Um, you can see everything and point it out she's like but your fluids still a little low but you may just be pretty dehydrated like I drank Gatorade I tried everything and I didn't think much of it because like you only are seen once or twice in your first trimester when you're pregnant your second trimester isn't much better especially ultrasound wise so I was like if it was an issue they probably would have let me know at my first appointment so fast forward for my anatomy scan, which I got super lucky and they saw me at 17 weeks for my anatomy scan. So I go in and the ultrasound tech looks at me and she was like, your fluid looks a little low. I'm going to call the doctor in just to look at it. And he comes in and he's freaking out and he's like, look, I need to see if your water is broken. And I'm like, well, I'm 17 and a half weeks pregnant. I surely hope that my water hasn't broken. So, he takes me into another room and checks, and he was like, okay, so I want you to go home and drink a lot of fluid and come back tomorrow. I'm not here. You're going to see a different doctor. Um, and then the following day, we're going to have you in with an MFN. So, I went and saw the next doctor the next day. She did an ultrasound. She was like, your fluid still looks really low. She was angry that I went to the 40 ultrasound place to start with. Um, and she was like, there is no reason that anybody should ever go to one because... Things like this happen and nobody gets seen. And me personally, even to this day, I still highly vouch for going to a 40 ultrasound because I would have never known Max Gender and I wouldn't have gotten all of the pictures in an ultrasound that I got from him, which I'll tell about in a little bit of why that happens. So then the following day, I went to the Brody School of Medicine to meet with their MFM, which you walk in, and they put you in this great big ultrasound room. Like, it is huge. You sit in there. They do all these ultrasounds. They're not allowed to talk to you. They're not allowed to really tell you what they're looking at. Just because we knew that possibly he didn't have kidneys. That's all that they really told us, and they hinted at. They were like, don't go home and look it up. Like, we we want to be 100% sure, certain. So I didn't really look into anything. I didn't want to think about it. I was like, no, there's no possible way. So we did all of that. And then they take you from this great big room into this very small room after the doctor looks at your ultrasound. And when I say this room was small, it was literally the size of a bathroom and not like a regular today bathroom, like the size of your kid's bathroom in a regular house. Pretty small. We're sitting in there and I always tell this story because of how vague, short, and no information they gave me was. He looked at me and asked if we had any history of any type of kidney disease, which my uncle was only born with one kidney. Um, And my husband is a diabetic, so he has kidney issues from his diabetes, but none of it's really linked. And he was like, well, your baby has no kidneys, um, and we don't actually see ureters or bladder. And he was like, so what that means for you is that your baby won't live after birth um, and you're going to have to determine what you want to do with your pregnancy. So we cried and he pretty much told us that we could leave and there was really no other option. He was like, you can leave and keep being seen by your regular doctor or you can terminate your pregnancy so we left and I remember leaving I remember crying and this is probably going to make some people angry so you might want to turn your volume down if you're an extremely angry person but when we left I looked at my husband at the time and I was like I don't know what I want to do I said honestly the thought of carrying a baby to term that I know is not going to live I'm not sure that I want to do and I don't know if I can handle an abortion but at this time maybe that's the thing that I want to do And he was like, let's not jump to conclusions. Let's think about it. So that was a Thursday. That Friday, I'd already called my boss. I ended up going into work that Friday. Some other traumatic things happened at my job at that time. um, That was somebody else passed away. That was a a really close family member. I grew up with them all within the same week. So a bunch of people were out of the office. And I went in and my boss was like, you don't have to be here. And I was like, no, it's fine. Like, I need to do something to get my mind off of it. It was a Friday, and that Friday afternoon, my doctor called me, and he was the doctor that I saw through everything up to this point other than one day in the MFM. And he said, I really want you to come in Monday, and we can talk about what was discussed so that you have more, like, so that you feel like you have more options. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I went in, and he explained a little bit more to me. He was like, look, I want you to know that um, what Matt has is called had is called bilateral renal agenesis, which there are multiple different renal diseases that lead to not having kidneys. And he was like, there are options, but I want you to know that it's not genetic. And I want you to know that it is genetic in the sense that,
0: sorry,
1: um, it is genetic in the sense that Your genes didn't mix together, but not in the sense that if you have another baby, you could see it again. It's extremely rare, and there's not enough research on it to know or to be able to pinpoint what caused this or to be able to pinpoint if you would carry it to another child. And I was like, okay, and he said, I think that we keep monitoring you every two weeks if you want to continue, and we will monitor you every two weeks until you have the baby. So I was like, that's fine. That's what we decided to do. We decided to carry through, um in the state of North Carolina, you have up until 20 weeks. So at this point I'm 18 and two, I believe. And I have a week and a half to change my mind. Um, I knew that I probably wasn't, but I kept going and seeing doctors. And right at 20 weeks, I saw another doctor at my doctor's office. Um, She's a saint, she delivered my last baby. She looked at me and said, look, I had to have my entire foot operated on, and I went and saw three different opinions before I decided that what I was going to agree with and what I was going to believe was okay. And she said, I work in Greenville. I went to Brody. I didn't care what they had to tell me. I went to UNC, and I went to Duke, too. And finally, it took me going to Duke and seeing a specialist for them to tell me the same thing the other two doctors had told me. You are okay to have a second opinion because they may see something that may help you. So I said, okay, and she ended up getting me in with a MFM at Wake Med, and he was so much nicer than the first MFM that I saw. Um, We went in and he informed me that there were so many other options, um, not really other options, but there were so many other things that I had to look out for. Um, He explained more so that a baby without kidneys is able to eventually get a kidney transplant, but the problem is, is that they do not produce any amniotic fluids so they don't learn how to breathe so their lungs don't develop um they normally do there's at this point this was in 2018 now there are huge studies you can get almost any hospital that's a research hospital and get amnio infusions um at this point I would have to travel and live in Maryland um at John Hopkins and I'd have to get So, my options were to have three to five amnio infusions a week up until birth. And that honestly wasn't feasible. I'd have to leave my job. I'd have to move up to Maryland and live there. And it wasn't that that wasn't feasible because you do anything for your child. It was that I researched everything beyond that. And only one child had ever lived to have a kidney transplant at this point. Um, most children end up passing away after they're born anyway and the statistics were that his quantity was going to be longer than his quality of life so if he was born he was going to be hooked up to machines for his entire life until he passed or I could have him and allow him to live the few hours that he was supposed to live and spend it with me um, and my husband and our family so We ended up choosing that route instead, which is something that is 10 times harder than you'd ever expect because you're the person determining your child's life and what is going to happen to them. Um, He told us that I should be induced early if I want to be able to spend time with him. So we scheduled a 37-week induction just because of size and trauma and things like that. So... I ended up just being seen every two weeks up until 30 weeks, and I was seen every week. Um, We did ultrasounds every single week. Um, Babies that are born with max um, diagnosis actually were typically smaller than four pounds. They had clubbed hands and clubbed feet, and a lot of times their face was sunken in. Um, So we knew all of that and what we were going to be experiencing once we had him. Um, I met with a neonatologist who we discussed comfort care, which is pretty much them being there and checking and making sure that they're still with us. And also, if they look like they're starting to struggle or have pain, they give them something to comfort them until they pass. Um, Ultrasounds with a baby such as Max start to get... Harder to see, so we were, from 25 weeks, every ultrasound was his femur, and that's all that you could see. So they were measuring his weight and his size off of his femur. Um, If he was full term, he was projected to be almost 10 pounds to start with, um, which was something that we weren't expecting. My husband was the hopeful one, so he was talking to people. Everybody was like, if you pray about it, are you talk about it or anything like that like it's going to change and I was like I don't think it's going to change like we've seen it we've seen the science behind it um he talked to people who their child was diagnosed with this or this and they were born and they were perfectly fine and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen I'm not saying that miracles don't happen things do happen but at the end of the day like I knew the science behind our diagnosis and so we ended up being induced at 37 weeks and we hadn't told a lot of people about what was going on with Mac. We still shared all of our pictures. We pretty much, I, at this point, our family knew and we had about five friends. Like I'd get asked in public how he was doing, how our pregnancy was going. And I'd say it's fine. And we keep on going just because the thought and wrapping your head around what is happening to you is 10 times harder to even face and think about. Um, we went in and we were induced and we ended up having, I was in labor for almost 24 hours. Um, he was born on September 7th in the afternoon. Um, it was about six fifty, and he ended up living 11 hours with us. Um, so we had all of our family there, all of our family rotated in and out to meet him. We spent an hour just Logan and I with him and everybody kind of rotated in and out. Um, he ended up passing away that following morning about 5 30 and we stayed with him in the room until we were discharged. Um, something that they don't really tell you and something that is definitely not what you expect. Um, they pretty much tell you when your child passes that you can stay as long as you'd like, but you can leave whenever and they'll discharge you as long as you're clear to go. So we sat in the room and we stayed with him until a little bit before lunch. And they were like, look, the funeral home is going to start calling you. They're, all of this, the organ donation, people are going to call you. Um, all of these different people to ask you about things and to ask you if you want to donate his organs and do all of this. And we were like, okay. So um, we went ahead and filled out his donation paperwork and decided that it would just be better for Logan and I to head home and to be able to be together and to decide what we wanted to do. Um, So we got everything arranged. Um, I believe his skin was donated. Um, I got a letter from somebody thanking me for something, but I honestly don't remember in the chaos of everything else. Um, And we went to the funeral home and planned out his service. And then Hurricane Florence came. So we are in public. We decided on Sunday that we would go and get something to eat. We had him on a Friday. Saturday, we came home. Um, Saturday on our way home, since nobody knew us, um, we stopped at Texas Roadhouse. And this is kind of my story of being kind to people. I got the most judgmental looks because I clearly had on not just a regular hospital bracelet, but the mother-baby tag still because they didn't cut them off of me before I left. And I was getting these like horrid looks for people because I didn't have a baby with me. And I don't think people quite grasp, but there may be other reasons of why your baby didn't come home with you other than the fact that they took the baby or you gave the baby up or things like that. So we ended up coming home. On Sunday, we went to our local funeral home, um, which if you are local to the New Bern area, Um, Cotton Funeral Home actually does a lot to help you with child loss. Um, Vidant is where we had Mac. They have a huge bereavement team. It's not huge, it's two ladies, but they have a great bereavement program. Um, They give you paperwork. They have somebody who comes in and stamps their feet. They um, they call in the photography team to take all of their pictures. They cover the cost of that, um, their newborn pictures. They do so much for you to make sure that you have every memory that you want of your baby. I have a lock of his hair. I have, they gave us a gown for him to be cremated in um, so that I could take home the outfit that I packed for him. They gave us a whole memory box. They did his hands, his feet. They did molds for us, um, even molds of Logan and I holding his hands and molds of his feet. Um, they're awesome. They, work endlessly they come in as soon as they find out that this happened and i mean this was at seven thirty on a friday night and she left her family came with us and helped us save all of these memories for a baby um cotton helped a lot as far as they have programs that help you cover most of the cost of your children's services um so this is sunday um On Wednesday, we had to rush everything that we did because of Hurricane Florence hit us on Thursday. Um, Wednesday, while the bridges were getting shut down, we held a memorial um, at Copper Ridge, which is one of our local wedding venues, and at this point, we still hadn't really told anybody. Um, His obituary was in the paper, and it ended up getting shared by quite a few people and family members, so... Versus the 25 people that I thought were going to show up to a service, we ended up with closer to like 100 people coming in the middle of a hurricane, Um, and we ended up having Matt cremated and put in an urn, and Cotton offers a bear that his urn goes inside of, so that we can keep it, so we brought him home with us on Wednesday, And then we had no power, and I went through the entire postpartum experience without power and all good things, air conditioning and all of that, which I'm not the only one. I know quite a few people who had babies within the same week as us, so they all went through it at the same time. Um, Morgan's dog is actually born on the same day as my Mac, and her dog's name's Mac.
0: Isn't um, that so crazy?
1: (laughs) So um, we did all of that, and... I believe a week after everything happened, I ended up sharing a post about we brought our baby home and that's all that I said. I didn't say much more. Um, I waited until he was a month old. At this point, we're still going out in public. People who had seen our obituary or knew somebody who knew us and had told them I had a bunch of people stop me in public and tell me that they were sorry. Um, or talk to me about it. But at, a month old, I still was getting asked when I was having the baby or what was going on or things like that. Um, so at a month old, we ended up sharing his entire kind of story. And at this point, I'm still after a month going out in public and being told congratulations or all of this different stuff. So read what people post. Um, that's the only thing that I take away from that little experience is, I actually read it because a lot of times it's not so much telling you that there's great news because there always isn't. Um, The first year was kind of lonely. Um, I ended up meeting a mom. I want to say it was around January. It might've been sooner than that. um, Who ended up having a stillborn. Not long after I lost Mac, I think um, she lost her in October. Um, we ended up kind of messaging and chatting. But other than that, I really didn't know anybody. I mean, I knew a few, I knew like my aunt had lost a baby and I knew things like that, but I really didn't know that there was a community of people. I didn't know that people met and got together and did things. Um, So it was pretty much just me by myself and Logan sharing. Um, I had somebody tell me one time that Logan never understood what I went through. And I think that that's a complete lie because he experienced all of the same things. He lost his child, too. Um, and honestly, I think there were days that he was more emotional than I was, while on the other case, there were days that I was a complete nutcase. Um, I was completely against doing holiday things that involved him, because as soon as we had him, you run straight into Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Um, I didn't want to do family pictures. I didn't want to do anything that had to remind me that my child wasn't here to celebrate with us. And I think that's a reminder for everybody is just kind of be gentle when somebody loses a child because you don't get to decide how they grieve. The only person who gets to decide is them. And everyone grieves differently. Um, They talk about the five stages of grief and they definitely are all the way around like consistently changing so it's not a flat line you don't accept it right after you I can't even remember all of them but anyway so like the denial some days you're in denial and then some days you're perfectly fine accepting it and then you can revert and change which I'm pretty sure acceptance is the very last one so there were days that were better than most um and then there were days that were super hard there are still days to this day that I remember what was happening? Um, I believe it was April 28th was the day that we were told that Mac wouldn't live. Um, September 7th was his the day that he was born. September 28th was my original due date. Um, I still look through Facebook memories because I shared when he'd be a month old. Um, I shared at six months. I tried to share little milestones. Um, then you hit their first birthday, and their first birthday is extremely hard because at this point you're still fighting for your child's memory while other people are kind of like, just move on. Um, I have a lot of issues with a lot of people still. And I hold like this grudge about people who don't acknowledge him um, because he'll always be my first baby. And I think that's something that you have to understand the person that you're dealing with. So I have some, I know some people who have lost babies that move on, don't talk about it, don't speak about it. Um, and sometimes it's maybe because it was just a miscarriage, which isn't just a miscarriage, but sometimes maybe it was because it was a miscarriage and your baby didn't have a name and your baby wasn't attached to you. While I know other people who have named babies that they've miscarried and still have a way to honor that baby because they're supposed to be a family of however many they're supposed to have. And I think what the best thing for somebody else to do is you honor that person's child the way that they do. So we did a first and a second birthday party for Mac. We invited people. Um, we did like cupcakes. We did a little theme. Um, we've decided now that he's getting older, he would have been four this year. We go out and eat. And sometimes we invite family. Sometimes we do it privately. Last year we did it privately. This year we invited like our close family. Um, But it's more so that you – had to find how other people recognize their baby. So for us, our remembrance of Mac is the sunsets. Um, We say that he paints the sky, sunrises and sunsets. And a lot of times there's little hints of colors that we're like, that's Mac. Um, Another thing is dragonflies. And if we see a dragonfly, we'll be like, oh, hey, Um, we were at my sister-in-law's wedding a few weeks ago. And Hattie was the flower girl, and Logan and I were walking with Hattie, and here comes little dragonfly, and Logan's like, we knew that he'd be at the wedding. And that's kind of our cue that, hey, you're here with us. Um, We take his bear for family pictures, um, and he sleeps in Hattie's room, like, on her dresser. Um, That's just kind of our thing. It took until about after his first birthday, I realized that there were more people like me. Um, I ran into, or I ended up meeting my friend Madison through a mutual friend. Um, one of her really good friends worked for Coffee Pro and she came into our office and asked about the picture of my baby on my desk. And I said, well, actually he passed last year. He would be one. And she said, I have a friend who just lost her baby and she really doesn't know anybody, um, that's experienced this. So could I have her reach out to you? And I said, yes. And, um, through that, I ended up meeting Madison. We talked not as much as we used to um but we always say that Lindley Grace and Mac are hanging out in heaven and they're the best of friends um and sometimes we see little signs like on Lindley's birthday there was the most beautiful sunrise and she was like there's your sign um or I sent it to her and I was like there's your sign that they're together um and she ended up introducing me to more people and she does like fundraisers for violence bereavement team and stuff like that um They held, Biden holds like a grief circle. And then the biggest thing that people really don't know exists until you've been there is most local hospitals. um, I know Carolina East does it, Biden does it. On October 15th, that is actually Remembrance Day for pregnancy and infant loss. Um, So they do what's called a wave of light. Most hospitals, the entire front of the hospital, if they have the cool little light thing like Biden and Carolina used to, they turn colors. Um, and they do like a ceremony. So I've never had a chance to attend Biden's. Um Part of it was COVID. Part of it's that I'm a dance teacher and I'm always late at night. Um, but one of my dancers' mom's, helps with the one for Carolina East, she works there. And one year they actually brought me, they do like Christmas ornaments for your baby and they put their name on the list and stuff like that. So she did all of that for me and brought it to me. Um, I honestly think that the biggest thing to do when someone loses a child is just be there. And it's not so much, hey, send them a message. It's do the same thing that you would for a mom who just had a baby, make them a little care package, take it to them, send them a meal. A couple months down the road, to check in on them, make sure that they're doing okay. On their baby's birthday, don't miss it. Still send them a message. This year, I had two friends. Hattie was in preschool this year. So I was like, what am I going to do since I'm by myself? And I had two friends who actually both ended up doing something with me. And neither of them said anything. But they, one went shopping with me. The other one took me to lunch. And it was just kind of, hey, I know that you need somebody here without having to say anything. Sometimes not saying anything, but still doing and having the action is just as meaningful as saying, hey, I'm thinking of you today. Um, And let them, like I keep saying, let them grieve the way that they want to because it's not your way and it's not just because you think they should do something one way, um, they shouldn't. I have a hard time with that um, because sometimes I am approached by issues that involve something that maybe I would have done something differently, but at the end of the day, it's not my life. It's somebody else's. Um, I also really think, and this is something that me and a couple of people have talked about. If somebody recognizes their child through something, that's their personal reach for, for their child, send it, show them, remind them that they're doing this but don't like a hundred percent take it away from them so don't be like hey they're here to visit me today because maybe mom hasn't seen their child in weeks like there are weeks that will go by that i won't see any sign of mac and then randomly one day somebody will text me and be like he came to visit me today and it honestly is the most gut-wrenching feeling because i haven't seen my child in weeks like i haven't seen anything to deal with them um, my second part of this, which I know I'm wrong with it, I'm so sorry, um, is last year, my husband and I waited a long time to have another baby. Um, we waited three years just because we got married after this. I bought a business and also I wanted to have a way to be able to heal and know that I was healed. So, and I'm still not healed. I'm never going to be healed. Life is 100% always going to be chaos. And I'm always going to miss him and have a love for him. But I knew that we were finally ready to have another baby. And I tell people all the time that if I wouldn't have lost Mac, we probably would have waited a little bit longer. Um, But we ended up getting pregnant again. And I knew that my life would be so much easier having a girl than having a boy. Um, because I'm a numbers person, so I read all the statistics. I read into babies who are diagnosed with VRA, the percentages of girls versus boys, if it's hereditary. And all of it was like, if you have a boy, you're more likely going to have this. Um, so I was like, if we have a girl, i won't be a fearful. Um, so we ended up getting pregnant with Hattie, and we didn't announce her until we knew that she was a girl and we had genetic testing done to know that she was okay, even though the genetic testing didn't show us if she had kidneys or not. Um, and my pregnancy with her was actually pretty scary. I still had to go to the MFM and be cleared. I was seen by them three times. But I requested to not see the original one that I saw. And I saw, I believe his name was Dr. Booker. He was awesome. Um, and then... I ended up finding out that I was iron deficient and she was measuring small. So we did iron infusions and everything else under the sun. Um, the panic of your child measuring small when you've lost your first child is gut-wrenching. Um, but when we were told that she looks healthy and everything else, that was fine. Um, we were induced with her because of the anxiety of having a baby and not knowing when they're coming and also the anxiety of we know what loss is like um so we ended up being induced with her and we brought home a perfectly healthy little girl there are a lot of times that I wish that I had both of them here but that's okay um everything doesn't happen for a reason but at the same time I know that he's always with us. And so that's pretty much my whole story. I don't have much more to say. I'm very long-winded. I knew that. Um, just pretty much respect and honor and do what the person who has lost a child does for themselves. Um, go with them and let them guide you with what to do. And even if you have to ask, like, hey, how would you want me to honor your child? That's better than not doing anything at all.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's you're such a, a beautiful story, and you're doing such an amazing job at celebrating Max's life. And I know you will continue to. And I, I no one can imagine what you've gone through, uh, except for you. And I think you've given some really great advice. um Just you know, let people grieve how they want to grieve, and just sit with them in it and walk through it with them and just be there for them in any way that you can. And, um, I'm so sorry that this happened to you, but I think that it's, it's your testimony and it's a beautiful story. And I'm so happy that you have Hattie and, um, I'm gonna, um, include your Instagram. Um, in the show notes, you can find her on Instagram at Bailey Ray three. She did want me to let all of you know that you are more than welcome to reach out to her via Instagram at any time. If you just need to talk, if you have any questions, um, and if you just want to tell her that she's doing a good job, everyone needs to hear that um, every once in a while. So again, Bailey, thank you so much for being here. And thank all of you for listening to her story today. We'll catch you next week. officially made it to the end. (laughs) Thank you so much for making it this far. If you stick around for just another second I'd love to share some affirmations with you today. I am a good mom. I am exactly who my kids need. I am grateful for the time I get to spend with my kids. My kids do not need a perfect mom. I will stay calm even in the midst of chaos. I am worthy of love and affection. God wants what's best for my life, so I will relinquish all my fears onto Him as they are not my burden to bear. I will live in the moment today and not stress about my past or worry about the future. My past mistakes do not define who I am now. I am a strong and confident woman. I am an intelligent individual. God has called me to motherhood and through Him I can do all things. I love my body and am comfortable in my own skin. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I am a kind human being. I am not just a mom.